All right, it's time for Titans talk again, fellas. Falcons on Sunday. If you were a Falcons fan, be glad you aren't. But if you were, what jersey would you be wearing to Sunday's game? Oh, I'd be wearing Titans jersey. No, I think, yeah, I mean, here we are again. I think if I were going to wear a Falcons jersey, I'd probably wear, man, it's a toss-up. Um, I'd probably wear primetime Deion Sanders. I'd probably go with Julio Jones just because he's freaking awesome and he's a, he's a complete loyal teammate to the city of Atlanta. That's a good one. I mean, who could ever argue Julio Jones? I mean, probably arguably the best player they've ever had. Yeah, I think Julio Jones looks even better because of the stereotypical like diva wide receiver. And, of course, we have example A of, uh, of one still in the news. Uh, now, but yeah, I think that's that's a big thing. Julio Jones has been uh, through them thick and thin. Good teams, bad teams. Yeah, he's wanted more money. He's done this or that, but he's always come to camp, and here he is, just kind of sticking through it, and just kind of just kind of being uh, a team player all the way through. For me, it's another receiver that sort of um, had his own sort of time with the team as their number one receiver, and then played with uh, Julio Jones for a while. Roddy White, I remember. When he played at uh, UAB, kind of came out of nowhere. He was their surprise first-round pick and played, you know, a decade for them. Really solid level. Something about his personality I just always like. All right, fellas. This has been a tough week, uh, tough 10 days or so to be a Titans fan. Uh, at the end of the day, we are 1-2. and two, And uh, I think what disappoints people besides that record is just the idea that uh, we've seen this before. Uh, how big would... Uh, Besides getting to two and two, how big would a win be Sunday, uh, a road win be to kind of just, is it, I know it's not going to erase kind of the, the rough effects of the last two weeks, but John, how far do you think that would go to, to sort of right the ship a bit as far as just the morale of the fan base? Well, listen, here are a couple of thoughts I have on this. Obviously, winning here, you know, you know, well, number one, let me first tell you this. I think Marcus is going to have a really good game. and. Call it me buying into something that making something into a big deal that it probably isn't. But last year we were on a couple game losing skid, and we went to Dallas and we unveiled the the double white. So we wore the white pants and the white jersey, and it looked pretty sharp. And I I always have that motto when I was playing that if you look good, you feel good, you play good. Um, and I mean they came out and they lit it up. Marcus was throwing dropping dimes all over the field. And, you know, we put on a really impressive win in Dallas. I think we could do the same exact thing in uh, Atlanta with, you know, a very a very beatable Atlanta team. And I think, you know, like last year, we beat Dallas, and then we went on to stomp New England the next week. I think this could have really big implications for us going forward. You know, next weekend, we get Taylor Wuan back. And, you know, a lot of things could start to click. You know, I'm as frustrated as everybody is about Marcus, but... You know the hope is still there. You you still hope for him to to do the right to to play the right game to to throw the right balls and to to be that guy. So I'm going to keep hoping, and I think that a win here, though, it's not going to guarantee we're in a playoff track, but it's the next step that we have to take in order to improve. So yeah, I I, I kind of like our chances to win here, and I kind of like our chances to kind of rebound things if we do win. Landon, this Falcons team is up and down, to say the least, and they have been mercurial at best since that uh, Super Bowl collapse two seasons ago. Uh, this seems like 
it's scary for me. I, I Big fella says feels like he's going to see a good game from Mariota. We have seen Mariota play well after playing poorly, but I don't know why we would expect a, a, a positive game from him. Uh, but that being said, about about the Falcons, I mean, uh, Ryan Matt Ryan has six interceptions uh, in three games. Uh, they have been hit and miss just like we have. What's your expectation for them as an opponent on their own turf Sunday? I think we certainly could walk into this game like we have in the past where we think we're the better team we're going to win. Like last year's Bills game comes to mind because, like you said, Matt Ryan has been taking shots and has had a lot of mistakes. Their defense lost Keanu Neal for the season, which is a devastating injury, and it wasn't good to begin with. So on paper, we should have a very good shot of winning, but we're going in Atlanta. A loss for Atlanta probably means that their season, their playoffs are a long shot, so they're fighting pretty much for their playoffs like we are. And it's NFL. You can never just walk in and expect to win. And this Titans team over the past couple of years has had that happen way too many times. John, what do you make of Keith Bullock's uh, comments this week? Uh, he's essentially a fan now. He doesn't work for the team. He doesn't work officially in the media. He's well-loved to this day by our fan base. I don't know. Are there any roots to uh, what he's saying, his public support of the team, or is he just being a good raw raw guy like he was a, as a player? I think, he, you know, I mean, he's obviously got roots here, and I think he still lives here in Nashville, but, you know, and he's, he's, he's beloved among the Titan fan base. So I really think that it's a lot of raw raw stuff. I think he acknowledges and realizes that Marcus isn't that guy, and it needs to come from somebody, and I think he's trying to step up and be that voice. You know, he, he's been very active on Twitter about defending Marcus and, you know, defending this team and saying that, you know, they were once a one in four team and they went to the AFC championship game. So it's not over. And, you know, we shouldn't give up on Marcus. We shouldn't give up on this team. We shouldn't give up on anybody. It's way, way too early for all that. And I, I have to agree. I mean, as as negative and as crappy as we all felt after the last two games, we're three games in. This thing is far, far from over. Um, I mean, you know, after this week, we'll be through a quarter of the season. And, yeah, that sounds like a lot. But then, again, you know, we're still going to have 12 games after Sunday. So there's still a lot of football to be played. And I think Keith Bullock is just being our our voice, our mascot right now, because obviously the hate on Marcus is overwhelming. So, so yeah, I think he's, he's coming in at a pivotal time. And I hope everybody listens up and, I, I really hope everybody stops bashing on the team because it's not the time for that. Landon, like I mentioned before, I don't think it's the one and two record that really has me down. Uh, John makes a good point that's early in the season. I think it's just kind of the same old, same old, the inconsistency that we've seen that really has, honestly, me as one of those fans John's referring to that I love this team anyways. It's not that I'm going to quit coming or quit caring, but I have sort of have maybe prematurely reimagined my expectations for the season and for the uh, long-term plausibility of uh, Marcus Mariota as our quarterback, this being year five, uh, what do you, what do you make of that? How do you reconcile those two things? It's early yet, or well, I mean, it's just more of the same. Well, for me, there's at least a comforting thought that we have a chance to go two and two through these first two weeks without Taylor Wan, our best lineman, maybe our best offensive player. And yes, Mario definitely hasn't looked very good. That is concerning because he's a fifth-year quarterback. But still, this is only his fourth game with Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator. All of his weapons aren't performing to standards. And he's played some good defense to start off the season, but you're right. 
at this point, either he's got to play consistently and show that he's the franchise quarterback we thought he could be, or he's just not the guy. We can't count on him to be inconsistent every season where he has games like the Cleveland game than he plays like he did in Jacksonville. We just need better, consistent quarterback play. Listen, I agree with both of y'all. I, 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 I know he's got to play better. Um, and I agree that his window is closing pretty quickly. And he's played terrible. There's no hiding it. But I, I don't think all the negativity helps our fan base. It doesn't help anybody. But, you know, I, uh, again, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Uh, I'm starting to see Marcus drift away as our starting quarterback. I still hope he is. But there are a lot of, a- a lot of questions that need to be answered in really short order. Um, and, you know, Landon, like you said, he just has to perform. I think it's well said, big fella. There's a lot of negativity in our fan base, and I f- have negative feelings about just the hope that that I had coming into the season for whatever reason. Uh, not against anybody personally. I think our fan base and nationally, there's a lot of shots taken on this team, and it's early for that. So I certainly didn't mean that for myself personally, but of just more, more of disappointment. But I, I think you're right. Now it's not the time for that. Uh, but there are some stark realities I think that we all are facing, and that what that makes every game just super important. I think something that kind of gets me aggravated about the fan base, you know, and this is out to everybody, you know, I, I want everybody to rally together and support this team, but it almost feels like people are ready to embrace, you know, a two and fourteen season. Yeah, because we've been there. That's yeah, premature, right? It'll give it'll it'll get us a high draft pick, but those things are you know. Quarterbacks are draft picks, especially quarterbacks, are scratch off tickets. We've talked about it hundreds of times. I mean, look at Gardner Minshew, like, and Tom Brady, like, they weren't first round picks. This doesn't guarantee your success. Marcus was a number two overall pick, and here we are. So I, I don't, I don't, I feel like it's premature, like you mentioned. It's it's a little early for our fan base to want to go back to the two and fourteen days. I just feel like we all have to rally and support the team right now because we have a championship caliber team. We just need to get all the pieces together. I think um, we're not a 2-14 and 14 team unless we're just, uh, God forbid, just decimated by injury. I don't know how rooted in reality a lot of our fan base is. Um, or maybe the silent majority just doesn't speak a lot. But we're just... You know, in three weeks, we've seen some bad teams, a half a dozen just bad teams, and we're just not going to get there. So, and like you said, a real fan doesn't want to sit through that. Uh, those are dark years. And we came up with a guy who the jury's still out on. So that's an excellent point. Landon, the big debate amongst our fan base is, I think, kind of a chicken and egg scenario. Is Mariota's play bad and holding the football and his indecision and conservative nature down the field, and uh, kind of his struggle to find the open guy in reads, is that the issue, or is it just the terrible offensive line issue? Like, which is it? I, we know it's both, but uh, which is which is sort of making the other uh, look worse, so to speak? I would say that the offensive line is more at fault because that Thursday night football game, that was one of the worst performances I've seen because – Marcus hardly ever got a clean pocket, and we did. No one was downfield. Clayus Campbell worked Jameel Douglas probably out of a starting spot, we, and we couldn't have predicted this. We didn't expect Taylor to want to get suspended. We weren't expecting to miss our Pro Bowl left tackle to start this season. It affects the whole entire offense because 
Now defenses can be more aggressive. Now the line doesn't have the advantage it used to. And certainly Mariota hasn't played up to the standards that we have of him, but this line has been the bigger issue so far. Yeah, Landon, to your point, <laughs> rewatching that that Jacksonville game, once Jamil Douglas was exposed, they picked on him. They literally picked on him and bullied him to get to Marcus. It was unreal. I, I don't think I've ever, you know, seen an offensive lineman picked on so badly and just, you know, kind of just thrown out of the way. It was unreal. And Calais Campbell is big and all, but, you know, still, Jamil Douglas is a grown man. He was uh, he was exposed, really, uh, in week three. He didn't play, you know, like a world beater in the first two weeks, but... Uh, that is a common thing in the NFL. Uh, find the pigeon, so to speak. You find their weakness and you just absolutely exploit it. And they really don't have anybody else to throw out there. So Jamil Douglas was not even really the backup as far as plans go. It was Pamphil and then Nate Davis when he was ready. But based on that, John, do you feel like when we host the Bills in week five and we get back, uh, hopefully a ready Taylor one and hopefully either Pamphil or depending on what happens this week, Davis to – do you expect a material change in this offensive line? Um, I, yeah. Or, you know, obviously the other three guys, uh, mainly Saffold, have not played well. Do you expect when we get Lawan back, it, it'll be a domino effect? Or do you expect us to just kind of be better? Or or do you do you expect uh, immediate results? Or do you, do you think it'll be more of the same? You know, I think the hope is immediate results. Um after playing on offensive line for a long time, I'll tell you what, some of my best games have come when I've been pumped up on the field by the rest of the offensive linemen. So Dennis Kelly is a very solid backup. I don't, you know, kind of like we've talked about Marcus before. He's not that rah-rah kind of guy. He's not going to pump you up on the field. I don't think Dennis Kelly does that much either. He's going to block. He's going to do his job most of the time. Um, and, and he's going to perform average or above average. He's going to have his, his misses too, but I think Taylor Luan is that guy that's going to come in, and he's going to kind of rejuvenate this whole offensive line. I think that's going to rejuvenate Saffold, and we're going to see better play out of him. We're going to see the offensive line work together more as a unit. And, you know, outside of some miraculous appearance of a right guard this week, I almost kind of hope they put Dennis Kelly at right guard and, you know, roll with our biggest guys. I think that would be a better look for all of them. I mean, tackle depth is really important, especially as as proven this year. So I, I almost wonder if Kelly is maybe too valuable to play at right guard, but at what cost? I mean, uh, it, we need to protect Mariota. And if putting Kelly at right guard does that because Pamphil's not ready or um, Nate Davis isn't ready, then so be it. Put our big big guys out there. Let them all bruise people. So I, I, I really hope for an improvement. Uh, you know, I, I, one guy is not going to change change this team in any one specific area. It's a team coming together. So I don't think Taylor Luan solves the issue, but I think he helps fix the problem. Right. It seems like the position more than any in sports where one sort of affects the sum, uh, referring to offensive line. Landon, are you sort of buying what a lot of our fan base is, uh, considering what we've heard from the team this week? Nate Davis will play, likely start this Sunday. Uh, what are your expectations uh, for him? Well, I'm certainly buying that he's going to start because after how Douglas played, I don't know how you can put him back out on the field. Now, Atlanta probably doesn't have a player as good as Calais Campbell, but still, 
If you play that no, bad, they don't. But they have a good offensive line. But yeah, Clayus Campbell is an absolute monster. Yeah, it looks like Nate Davis is going to start really just because there's no one else ahead of him that can play. Really, I would expect him to be okay. And if he were okay in his first career start after missing a lot of training camp as a raw small school rookie, that would be pretty good for me. And it's just, is he not a complete turnstile? Is he at least getting blocks some of the times? Is he giving Marietta protection and time some of the time? Big fellow, how do we look after three weeks, at least on paper? I mean, statistically, what do we look like? So statistically, I'm going to look specifically at defense because I don't think our offense is really anything great to look at. But on defense, we've got a lot going for us. You know, we're sixth overall in in overall defense, allowing 308 yards per game. Inside of that, we're third in pass defense, allowing 189.7, and 21st in rush defense, allowing 119 a game. So, obviously, the defensive production is there, and we're taking on a pretty good Atlanta Atlanta team that ranks sixth in passing offense. So, it's going to be a really good showdown. It's going to be strength on strength to the same point like our, our our run game, Atlanta is one of the worst in the National Football League. They are ranked 27th in rush defense. So I really look um, for our offense to kind of take advantage of that opportunity and that mismatch and get Derrick Henry some good running lanes and start to impose our will on some teams. I mean, we saw that in Cleveland where Derrick was just able to get have his way, you know, as the game went on and. You know, we went away from him in Indy. We went, we didn't really trust him all that much in, in Jacksonville because he didn't have anywhere to run. But I really just want us to do that, impose our will on this team, and we can do that. Grady Jarrett, McKinley, Beasley, they've got some good names, but we'll see um, how they do. I think a lot of it will come down to Matt Ryan, don't you, Lan? And, and what's the deal with him? He's been really inconsistent, especially this season. He does some really dumb stuff, too. We know he's talented, and we know – uh, what a talented receiving core uh, he has. Obviously, Julio Jones is amazing. Uh, what do you expect from their offense? What do you expect from uh, Ryan, and, and what's his deal? I expect for them to have a couple big plays because this defense, as good as it has been, has given up a few big plays in every game. We're good in points allowed, but we still give up these chunk plays in terms of, in terms of yards. And to me, the biggest thing with Ryan is he just doesn't trust his offensive line, and I don't blame him because the rookie, Caleb McGarry, is his right tackle. He's been banged up. Their other first-round pick, Chris Lindstrom, their guard, is out. And then his replacement, Jamon Brown, has also been hurt. So it's just been constant shuffling of linemen on the right side. So he's got less time. He's got less of a clean pocket. He gets jittery. And for what it's worth, he has he's thrown a lot of touchdown passes this early on. But like you said, he's got six interceptions. That's two a game this early, and just I would expect at least one from him from this defense. Big fellow, what's your gut about Sunday? Do you, you feel like we'll win this game in your heart of hearts, go down to Atlanta, get a dubs from a team that needs it just as bad as we do? You know, I really think we can. The stage is set for us to make this remarkable comeback, and you know, if we just make it one more week, we get Taylor back, we get some things clicking, it could happen. I, I really think we walk into Atlanta – and we take advantage of a, of a pretty bad rush defense. I think that's going to be the key to victory. And I think the the rhetoric is about Marcus, of course. And we need him to play well. And I really hope that he's going to play well. He's got to play well. So with every every fiber of my being, 
I think we're going to win. And I think it's going to turn us around. I'm not saying we're going to the Super Bowl, but we're going to salvage what a lot of Titans fans think this season is going to end up being. So I, I, I think this is the way we do it. I'm not very optimistic, certainly not as optimistic as Big Fella. I uh, usually uh, can be, but for whatever reason, I just don't don't see it. Now, I've been that way a few times, and then we've won four or five games, even if it's been ugly. But I don't know. we got an interesting little role of teams coming here, and I think Atlanta can be a bit of a trap, but you just never know with them. Landon, in your heart of hearts, honestly, what, what's your expectation for Sunday? Do you, do you expect a win in Atlanta? Because I don't. At this point, I hope I'm wrong. I don't. Well, I agree with John that there's no reason that we can't win. In matchups and on the field, I think we certainly can control the game, control the tempo, force mistakes, and just have a tough, gritty win on the road. But it's just this team is too inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. One week we can blow out the Pats and the Cowboys, and then we lose to the Bills on the road. You never know what team you're going you're to get, what kind of performance you're going to get. I think we're going to get that team that disappoints us this week, as much as it hurts to say. Oh, double downers. It's okay. We got this. I mean, I really hope we do. It's just, I don't want to get my hopes up thinking that, oh yeah, we, we've got the matchups. We've got the advantage. We're expected to win or at least be really close. And then like the Bills game or the even the Ravens game, we just fall flat on our face like we always seem to do when it matters most. Fellas, no big transactions this week. Uh, a little movement on the practice squad. Big fella, what's our latest injury report? I'm most interested to see. I, how far are we from seeing Pam Phil back on the active roster? And what are what, what's the injury report as of uh, right now? It's Wednesday uh, at 6.20. I wish I had better news to give you, but Pam Phil is still not practicing with a knee issue. Um, so I think it was something the preseason he did over hyperextended a knee. Who knows? We don't really have many more updates on him other than that. Others that did not practice, um, Delaney Walker did not practice today due to a knee and linebacker Darren Bates did not practice due to an ankle. Rashawn Evans was limited with a wrist injury. Um, I think all signs point to him being able to go. Um, running back David Flewellen, he practiced in full. Chris Milton, cornerback with a collarbone issue, he practiced in full. And Wesley Woodyard with a quad injury, he practiced in full. So not too much on the injury front. A little concerning to see Delaney Walker on there, but I think he'll be fine. They're probably just giving him another rest day. We've talked about that before. He's a veteran player. He knows what to do. So I'm not super worried about that. Uh, I'm, I'm more worried about this Pam Field because we signed him uh, I think we signed him in the offseason last year to to be a pretty pivotal piece and pivotal backup, and he has not been able to do that. So I'm a little worried about him that he's still on this injury report, and I kind of I need to see what's going on with him, but it, it seems really serious since he hasn't played at all this year. He was supposed to be a starter coming into the, into the season, um, and he has not suited up. So hopefully we'll get a... a a good showing of Nate Davis and maybe he'll, he'll silence a lot of critics and he'll play some really good ball. Um, but uh, you know, like we've talked about earlier, I don't think Taylor is the fix for this team, but I think he will fix a, a lot of issues on this offensive line and get us in the right way. So can't wait for him to get back next week. Um, hope we can just get out this, this win and get him back healthy and get this line looking a little bit better. Landon, if you had to guess, 
according to Pro Football Focus, our highest-rated offensive player through three games. Who who would you guess? I, I would probably say Derrick Henry just because he's produced in all our games, and I haven't really thought he looked bad in any of our performances so far. It's actually center Ben Jones, followed closely by Delaney Walker. Jones is 76.2, Walker 75.9. Jones has not stood out to me as bad, but I found that interesting. Big fella, who do you think are our highest rated, according to Pro Football Focus, after three games, defensive players are? Defensively, I think Logan Ryan is probably going to be our highest rated defensive player, according to Pro Football Focus, probably followed by Jayon Brown and Cam Wake. Okay, so well done. Brian's not far. He's 71.2. Our highest rated players are Jayon Brown uh, is second, 78.6. And um, I don't know if you were aware, big fellow, but yeah, Cameron Wake plays for the Titans now. (laughs) A little bit uh, aware. He's an 82.8 after three weeks. Jarrell Casey, 74.2. Daquan Jones, according to Pro Football Focus anyway. It's not the end all, but a uh, decent Brommer. He's a 76.4. So, Jayon Brown, Daquan Jones, Casey, Ryan, uh, Bayard is a little bit lower, but uh, of course, small sample size, but uh, you know, it does bear out. Those guys have looked good for us, and our offense has not looked as, as well. So, we'll see. Uh, Henry at 64.8 for whatever reason. Maybe Probably just because of his last game, yeah. Yeah, he, and he's yeah. not much of a receiving threat at all. Fair. Fair. Show them Cleveland. And they do uh, blocking, too, for that. And Lewis is the better blocker, honestly. All right, guys, as we wrap up uh, Titans Talk this week, we know what's going to happen if we get beat. We don't. I don't have to ask you the keys there. Our offensive line will uh, continue to play poorly, and uh, Mariota will continue to be indecisive and conservative, and uh, will fall apart. But if we're having this conversation, and hopefully we are Sunday afternoon, and we're talking about a victory. What has to happen for us, in your opinion, for, for us to get it done in Atlanta Sunday? We'll start with you, John. Well, I think it's going to be really simple. They've got two incredible wide receivers in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. We've got to stop them. And I'm not really that worried about Devontae Freeman. He isn't the guy that he was a couple of years ago where he was running for a thousand touchdowns. Um, so uh, I, I really think we have to stop them Stop the big plays on offense. We can't allow them to get behind us. I've said this on multiple, multiple episodes of this show. We can't allow receivers to get behind us. We're just not built that way. So these guys are no exception, and they're big and physical. On offense, we have to run the ball with Derrick Henry. And then when he's tired and he's not running the ball, we have to run the ball with Derrick Henry because he's fine. So we just cannot give up. We have to minimize Marcus's uh, window for error and we have to just play smart football. We have to run the ball. We have to take what's available from the defense. Landon mentioned they lost Keanu Neal. So there are going to be some holes in the defense and I really hope Marcus has the time to find them. Again, most importantly, we have to run the football with Derrick Henry. And like I mentioned earlier, we have to impose our will upon, uh, upon this team. We have to tell them how we're going to beat them. Just gonna show them straight up. Here, we're gonna run it down your throat, and then when we're done running it, we're we're gonna run it some more, and then maybe we'll throw a pass or two. But I, I would be happy if we ran the ball 45, 50 times this game. So I really think that's how we're gonna win. Yeah, for me, I would say on offense, have a four straight week of no turno no turnovers, 
play it smart on the road, see King Henry back again, just rushing 30-plus times, being the defense down. Then on the defensive end, we need at least one turnover off of Matt Ryan to keep us in the game. I actually think the second biggest key on defense is shutting down everyone else but Julio Jones because I think just throwing all your resources at a guy like Julio is a lost cause because I don't really think you can stop a guy like that. But if you make it to where it's pretty much Ryan has to take his 50-50 shot with Julio over taking the wide open guy, we have to force him to make that choice every single time because Julio is just one man. You can you can handle him somewhat if you focus on everyone else. But if you try and shut down everyone else, Julio is going to burn Butler, Ryan, or Jackson because he's maybe the best receiver in the league. So guys, around the NFL, quickly before we wrap up, uh, a lot of interesting news. Um, looks like Melvin Gordon is going to end his holdout. That was a strange one, to say the least. Uh, he's likely to be a free agent. They weren't going to pay him in the range he wanted, uh, $13, $14 million, like the last three guys, high, high-speed guys at that position, uh, excluding Ezekiel Elliott. It looks like he's just going to report. Uh, a lot of people think, just on paper, that Eklar uh, sort of replaced him. Eklar had a few key fumbles. Uh, I, I think they'll be happy to get him back. How quickly do y'all think we'll see him kind of get back in the swing of things? I guess we'll see what kind of shape he's in. And what's your expectations for Gordon the rest of the season, Landon? I think we won't really see the Melvin Gordon of last year till week eight, week nine, because like you said, Eckler has been pretty good so far. Justin Jackson has also been decent as a backup. So there's no need for them to push Melvin Gordon back in. I know they're one and two and they they can be a little desperate, but if they can just be 500, so four and four starting week nine, I think they'll be in a great position because I'm Melvin Gordon's is going to be in shape. He's going to be ready to go. I think we'll see a guy similar to what he was last year, and hopefully he stays healthy for the full season. And Nathan, you're not trying to get a little bit of fantasy advice here, are you? <laughs> hey, I've, hang, I've hung on to him, and uh, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, maybe a little. I, I think, you know, I, if I could just comment on Gordon for a second. This is going to sound crazy, but I, well, I was sick this last weekend, so I got to catch up on one of my favorite shows on HBO, Ballers, and there's a lot of Melvin Gordon in there. I never realized how massive that dude's arms are. He's a big boy. And, you know, if, if his appearance on Ballers is any indication uh, of what he's going to do, I mean, he, he's a big guy, and I think he could get back to form. I'm kind of with Landon. I think around week eight is when he kind of hits stride and gets back to the guy he used to be. This report saying he's definitely not playing in week four. I don't think anybody would expect him to do that, again, even if it is Miami. But I think we see him pretty soon, and I think, like you mentioned, Eckler's performed well. He hasn't made them forget about um, Melvin Gordon, but it's definitely, you know, I think Eckler has gotten Melvin Gordon to the point where Melvin Gordon is like, okay, I'm going to return back to the team and, you know, get back on the field. I'm not convinced that he does this if they don't have a really good, if they if they didn't have really good performances out of Eckler. Um, and the rest of their running backs. Big fella in Pittsburgh, Vance McDonald's down with an injury. So Pittsburgh, in another surprising move, trades a fifth-round pick in next year's draft for a tight end. Uh, they're all in. You've not seen them historically trade draft picks. Uh, what do you What do you make of everything over there? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously losing Big Ben wasn't anything they ever expected to do, especially at this stage of his career. I think they've got a lot of faith um, in this Mason Rudolph kid. And I, I really think that they acknowledge that when Big Ben is officially done, they're going to hand this kid the keys to the kingdom. I think that's what we're looking at right here. And they're going to want to give him every chance to succeed that they can. And like Pittsburgh does, they develop players really well. As much as it pains me to say that, blah. Um, but I, I just really think they're, they do things the right way. And they're going to bring this kid along the right way. And they're going to give him every chance that they can to help him succeed. So that's just, uh, you know, it's Pittsburgh doing what Pittsburgh does. Landon, I like Mika Fitzpatrick. And I think he's a good fit for what the Steelers try to do. That's a huge risk. They're 0-3 now. So just how big of a risk is that? That could be a top-five pick in, in, a, in a pretty loaded draft with two really good quarterback prospects that we know of right now. So what do you make of just the risk they took to, to get a, a really good safety? I would say that risk just shows the faith they had in Mason Rudolph because they drafted him in the third round. They traded away the third stringer, Josh Dobbs, to the Jags. So they pretty much cut their depth down to two. So if Big Ben were out, it would all come down to Rudolph. And he looked all right week three in his first career start on the road against a good Niners defense. But still, like you said, Minka Fitzpatrick is a safety. And right now he's not an Eddie Jackson, Derwin James, turnover-forcing, game-changing type presence that's worth the first. He, he certainly could be that, but he's not that right now. And with quarterback questions, their ceiling is limited. They, that pick could be... No worse than 15, I think. And like you said, they're 0-3. They could have given up a top 10 pick for a safety, even a top 5 pick. And no matter how good that safety is, that's still a safety. And like you said, in a class that has two good quarterback prospects and several more, two great pass rushing prospects, a couple good offensive linemen, to give up a chance at those guys for a safety? It just seems weird. I hope that pick is top 5 and that the Steelers miss out on all those guys. Landon, there's been uh, some really intriguing quarterback, uh, new quarterbacks sort of playing these first three weeks. Uh, I wasn't expecting to see uh, Gardner Minshew uh, play. I had kind of forgotten about Kyle Allen. I remember him as a prospect. He played well in Carolina. Uh, and the list goes on. Now, we've seen guys play well a game or two, and then this could be the arrival of some long-term NFL starters. But of all the guys that have emerged or reemerged. Who are you most intrigued in, and who do you think is going to have the best 2019? Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater, Garrett Minshew, Kyle Allen. Who's your money on for uh, the best rest of the season? Daniel Jones is a good bet because he's talented. Obviously, he went sixth overall. And even though Saquon Barkley is going to be out four to eight weeks, and that's a big hit to their offense, he still has a pretty good offensive line. After week four, he gets Golante back from suspension, so he'll have decent receivers. Their defense is pretty bad, so he'll get to throw a bunch. And I think Minshew will have the most wins and he'll have the most success, but Daniel Jones is going to be the best player because he's going to get the most opportunities to play quarterback. John, for you, of the guys that we didn't expect to see at that position that we're seeing play at least pretty well right now, who, who intrigues you most the rest of the season? I, I I've said it before. Uh, well, probably not on, on here because I, I dare not speak it. But I've told you before when we've talked on the phone that I'm really intrigued by Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's just come along at such a perfect time for Jacksonville. 
he's, you know, he, he, he is the Jaguars Baker Mayfield. You know, he is somebody that that team can rally behind and he doesn't care what anybody thinks of him. You know, I, I was watching a thing the other day and he like cut his own shorts to make jean shorts. I mean, you can't make this guy up. He, he, you know, we, we've talked about it at lengths about the opportunities he had in college and, you know, he, he went to, to Troy and then, you know, he was debating walking on at Alabama as a graduate, graduate student and being their third string backup. And then Mike Leach was like, hey, how would you like to come on play on our team and, you know, lead the NCAA in passing? And he's like, all right, cool. And did it. And, you know, he's just got that attitude and charisma and character that it just jumps off the page at you. And there's, you know... On Thursday night, how many Minshew, How many people did you see with a mustache in the in the in the crowd? How many how many Minshew shirts did you see? Like, you don't see that Mariota stuff. Like, it doesn't happen, and it's just because he's so polarizing. And I think he's, regardless of how good he does on the field, I think he's definitely cemented himself in this little moment of time where you know he is on top of the world, and I think he could do a lot of great things. That's a wrap for us uh, for this Wednesday. Looking forward to the game in a few days. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to get back to you if we have a stomach for it for our reaction podcast on Sunday night. So, guys, hoping the best for the Titans. Uh, We'll see you guys Sunday. Tighten up. Don't lose faith. Tighten up. Tighten up.